think about that, it'd be good just to take a moment of time of prayer, a moment to, we all, we all long, in one way or the other, we long for peace. No matter who you are, uh, no matter what your background or what your economic um, situation might be, we long for peace. And there's moments in our lives where I think we, we encounter just these moments of peace that gives us glimpses of the true eternal peace that we will have with Jesus. And sometimes we need to pause and just think upon those measures of grace, of peace that we receive in a giving, given week or year or month or whatever it might be. One of those is peace is found. Sometimes when we find forgiveness from another, uh, when maybe it's a family member, um, maybe it's someone who's just a friend or a mentor and you've harmed them and they forgive you and you find peace. So it's thinking back on a time where, where I felt that just flood my soul when I was forgiven. Uh, maybe you've shared this before, but several years back, there was a mentor and friend who I had... Um, just in my unthoughtful ways, it had hurt and harmed him, and I wasn't aware of it. But then um, the kindness of another made me aware of that, and, and I was able to, um, I, I was burdened. I just didn't even realize it in that way, and I realized, man, I had sinned against him. I had hurt him, and uh, I set up a, a meeting, a time to call that person on the phone, and, and I was just a little bit filled with anxiety uh, and weighed down, and I, I made that phone call and apologized and asked for forgiveness. And that person said, yes, of course, I forgive you. <laughs> and it was just like, oh, peace. Maybe you've walked through that peace. Or peace, um, when, when you've lost something valuable, or maybe you, you've lost track of someone valuable, I was reminded of uh, a time when we were in Thailand, because um, Kelly was about ready to give birth to Rachel, and we were um, had moved, gone from China to Thailand to, to have Rachel, and Kelly's family came out, and we were with Kelly's parents at the night market in, in Chiang Mai, and we were traveling around, and all of a sudden, Kelly's mom had disappeared, and it was about a half hour of looking for her, and of course, we were just panicked. Yeah, she didn't have a cell phone. She probably wasn't sure exactly even how to contact us at that point. And they'd been there like one day. And then we found her and it was like, oh. or maybe a, a medical test um, where uh, you know that it could come back um, and she really changed your life. But then uh, a positive or a, a, um, a good uh, test result comes back and you just feel that peace. And these, I think, point us to the peace that we have and will have for all eternity in Jesus. But we also recognize that we don't always receive good news. Uh, We're not always extended peace. We're not always extended forgiveness from that friend or that relative that maybe even now you, you feel the weight of it as we think about it today or Maybe that lost item, uh, that lost person was not found. Or maybe that test result did not come back in a favorable way. And we're reminded, too, then, that the peace that we find in Jesus is greater than our circumstances, 
that he comes to us in the midst of our suffering and that peace that we rest upon is not a peace that the circumstance will be removed, but that Jesus will sustain us uh, through those moments of suffering that um, we are walking through. But there's peace in Jesus, and that peace will be complete when we see him face to face. And all those other burdens will fall away. As we look at Luke today, and we do look at the story of the birth of John the Baptist, we think about the peace of Jesus that enters in. And we're going to see it in a lot of different ways. And we're going to cover a lot of verses, but um, I only have, I have less pages of notes than normal, so it's okay. It's okay. We're going to do a lot of reading here. And the initial thing we see in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth, we see peace in the midst of a time of silence and suffering. We see them as those who are a faithful people, faithful to the Lord. So this is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. This is, In the day of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blameless in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. So here we have the beginning of this story and we have Zechariah and Elizabeth and they describe, we hear them described as righteous. They walk blameless in regard to God's law. And of course we know that they were not without sin because there's no one without sin, no one righteous, no no not one, but they walk faithfully according to God's word. They trusted him in this time of silence. And you think of Abraham and said that he was righteous because of his faith. And I think these were a people of faith that were righteous because of their faith in God. And they realized that God had not, not abandoned them. And then again, there's a period of silence. But we're reminded that God was still not absent. And they continued to, in this time, cling to God's word, and they were faithful to it, even though it seemed that um, the Lord was maybe far off. There had been hundreds of years where the Lord had been silent. And we can note, too, that this is a couple who are righteous and faithful, and yet they still walk through trials as well. They were childless during this time. And it's difficult in any age, in any culture, but during this time, they would have been looked down upon. Maybe those around them looked at Elizabeth and Zechariah and said, oh, they must, be, they must have sin in their life. Um, they must be cursed. But we see here that it's clear they were righteous and blameless. And yet they still walk through this time of suffering and difficulty. And we see here that, that suffering mingled, though, with peace uh, and provision for them as they still walked in faithfulness in their older age, in their older years, despite the trials that they were walking through. And even a people that may have wondered, is God going to speak again? There's peace, even in those times. And then we see that God shows up on the scene through his messenger, through Gabriel. Look at verse 8. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the customs of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared an angel 
of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and he fell, and he and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife, she's advanced in years. And the angel answers him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words which, we will, which will be fulfilled in their time. So here we have this story where now the word of God breaks forth and Gabriel appears to Zechariah and tells him that he will have um, and bear a child. And here we see, though, that Zechariah he responds that that he, he doesn't believe at the point. There's like, what? No, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that this can happen. And what happens? Well, well, he is silent. He's made silent. He cannot speak. And I just wonder, uh, we don't know, but I wonder if Zechariah just loved to talk. Like, he was just a talker. I just kind of wonder. And then I was like, this is like the, the biggest thing that could happen to him <laughs> is silence. And um, he's given silence, and he maybe needed to be silent for nine months um, in there, a silence that, that comes upon him, and he's quiet. He had a lot of time to think, a lot of time to think upon these words of Gabriel, a lot of time to think of the Old Testament prophecies of a forerunner of the Messiah, and um, he is silent um, for this long portion of time, uh, but he's given a second opportunity, and we see that we have a God who, who does give us second chances of grace. Um, he does give us that. And there's peace in that. We have a gracious God. And he, he, he's not done with Zechariah. He doesn't just uh, kick him to the curb. <laughs> Verse 57. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, None of your relatives are called by this name. Now, John, it means um, Yahweh is gracious. Um, So the Lord God is gracious. What a great name. Um, to have. And they made signs to his father, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. So here's the opportunity. What's he going to do? And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. 
And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. And then verse 67, and his, and his father, John the Baptist's father, John Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying. So here he's giving an opportunity to be faithful. And what does he do? There's been this silence from God, and now he prophesies. The word of God flows forth from him, and he is faithful. He has this opportunity, and he steps in, and he faithfully is a messenger of the word of God after such a long season of silence, his own personal silence, but then silence of the Lord. He's used by God to speak these words, and we're going to walk through uh, these words today that he, he speaks forth, and they're written as a hymn. Maybe in your Bible, it's, um, it's marked and written that way, so you can kind of see it's in verse in a bit. So this hymn is poured forth of all these truths about who God is and just resting in his promises, and there's all these good things. So I encourage you to look in um, and wonder in and look at these things, and may they bring us peace. So it begins in verse 68, peace in the presence and the rescue of God. Peace in the presence and the rescue of God. Verse 68, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. For he has visited and redeemed his people. So he even just begins here and he just breaks forth in this praise to the Lord, the one true God, the true God of Israel. And he praises him um, because he's a God who's keeping his promises. And if you notice here, as he leans and he thinks about this Messiah to come, the Prince of Peace who's going to come upon the scene, that he speaks in past tense. There's things that, that haven't yet happened, but he speaks of them as if they've already been completed. He has visited. He has redeemed. And these things are yet to come, but, but he speaks with such confidence. He knows that the Lord is sure to accomplish these things. God has come and he's visited his people and he will visit them. And here, the Lord of the the, Lord, the word of the Lord of God, the God had been silent for so long, but now that's changing here as the word is becoming flesh. Here, Emmanuel, um, God with us, Jesus is to be born. And he comes to redeem his people, to rescue them, to redeem them. Uh, but it's not quite the rescue that all maybe thought would happen as they will still be under the Roman occupation in the land, and there's not a deliverance from that, but we're going to see that there's a redemption, there's a redeeming, a forgiveness of sins that's found as he redeems his people. And as our God visits us, and he is with us through Christ, and he redeems us and rescues us, peace. Then verses 69 through 71, we see peace in the strength of King Jesus. Peace in, peace in the strength of King Jesus. Verse 69, And he raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. So here there's this word that the Lord has raised up a horn of salvation. And the horn, it's not a trumpet horn um, that's being blown here, but this is that of an animal horn that's raised up. Uh, And a horn was a sign of strength. You can think of that uh, horn of a bull. There's just something strong about it. We go up to the mountains and we see elk. I know they're not 
they're not horns, they're antlers, I get it. But you see a, a buck with, with huge antlers, and we're just, we're always like, wow. You just see the strength of that animal. Um, and so we can understand that. And when we go and we want to see bighorn sheep, we want to see, we, we, we want to see the, the ones that with their horns, right? Because there's a strength and power. We're just kind of drawn to that. Um, but if, if a, an elk has, has lost one of its antlers, it's just not quite the same. The other day, I was driving, taking Rachel to school up to LCS, and there's some elk that are kind of up there. And one of them apparently had broken off part of its antler. Just not as impressive anymore. I don't know. There's just something about it. So we understand this strong salvation. He's saying, what a victor, a warrior. Salvation has come. The Messiah, Jesus, has come to save and rescue his people, to save them from their sins, that they might have a right relationship with God the Father, that they might be holy before him, that they might experience, as we're going to talk about in a little bit, the tender mercies of God. So strength and peace that we can find in Jesus. Jesus uh, is our strong Savior, And then verses 72 through 75, we see peace in God's faithfulness to his word. Peace in his faithfulness to his word. This is to slow, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. So here, we see Zechariah just speak about the promises. He's saying God's fulfilling his promises to, to Abraham. Those, those promises of old, they're being fulfilled. And we see that God had this plan always in motion. Uh, there wasn't ever a break. He continues and he's fulfilling these things to, to make his people holy and righteous, that they might serve him all of their days, that he might, they might serve him without fear. Um, that they could be a people that go before a holy God and they can fall on their knees in worship, not in terror away from him, but in awe and reverence before him, made holy, a restored right relationship. And God is fulfilling his promises. Think of Genesis 12, 1 through 3, where God gives this pro- promise to Abram at the time, it's soon to be Abraham. It says, go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in all the families of the earth, and then in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here, God is fulfilling that promise through Jesus, that all the families of the earth will be, will be blessed. So the promises of God, the covenants with Abraham, the covenants with David, the covenant to bless all the families of the earth, it's being fulfilled here in the Christ, in the Messiah, through Jesus. Fear will be replaced with joy and peace, holiness through Jesus, enabling us to approach his throne. We're reminded that God keeps his promises. I don't know if you're walking through the Advent books that we, we have for you guys, uh, but today it was about promises and God keeping his promises and it, I think J.C. Ryle mentioned something to the effect of the promises of God are, are for us, they're that daily manna we're to eat and that daily water we are to drink um, as we walk in the wilderness of this life. The promises of God that we can lean on. And then um, I'm going to give you a preview from a few days down the road of, in Advent. Um, but he looks at this passage and he says this about the promises of God. And I'm going to read this. It's a little paragraph, but I really... 
really wanted to share it with you. The promises of God, when we lean on them, there's peace. He says, let us learn to rest on the promises and embrace them as Zechariah did. Let us not doubt that every word of God about his people concerning things future shall as surely be fulfilled as every word about them has been fulfilled concerning things past. Their safety is secured. Their safety is secured by promise. The world, the flesh, and the devil shall never prevail against believers. Amen. Their acquittal at the last day is secured by promise. They shall not come into condemnation, but shall be presented spotless before the Father's throne. Their final glory is secured by promise. Their Savior shall come again the second time, as surely as He came the first time, to gather His saints together and to give them a crown of righteousness. Amen? Let us be persuaded of these promises. Let us embrace them and not let them go. They will never fail us. God's word is never broken. He is not man that he should lie. Thinking of Numbers 23, verse verse 19. We have a seal on every promise which Zechariah never saw. We have the seal of Christ's blood to assure us that what God has promised, God will perform. Amen? The promises of God sealed in Christ, that Christ gave his life for us and rose again. We even look at our calendar and we look back to the date of the birth of Christ. History is marked by Christ. We can look at those things and we can know the promises of God are faithful. We can find peace even in the midst of suffering and difficulty. And then verses 76 through 79, we see the peace that's in the good news of Jesus. The peace found in the gospel of Jesus. Verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the Son shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. So here we see that John, he's that forerunner. He's the one who comes before Jesus, pointing to Jesus. He's, one, he's not the light, but pointing to the light. And he's going to proclaim this good news. There's salvation to come, forgiveness of sin, that we can be holy and righteous before a holy God that we already kind of looked at and talked about here. So the gospel comes forth. Forgiveness is being declared through this Messiah to come. And we see that there's a light that breaks forth. And we see God's tender mercy breaking forth. And that tender mercy, that word literally means uh, like intestine or bowels, which is kind of strange. But we, we get that. We, we talk about things like doing things from our heart or I have a gut feeling. So, you know, we, we do that too. But it's the idea of this deep down compassion and mercy. So this God wants to pour out his deep down mercy upon us. Um, here, and we see that through the Messiah coming, mercy. And that dawn, the dawn will break forth, or the morning light of heaven will shine forth. The Messiah is going to shine forth in the darkness, breaking forth in the morning. Now, um, I have to admit, I don't always love morning sun breaking forth, especially on, on a Saturday morning. And 
uh, in the summer. Okay, not right now, but uh, we have blinds that are, are really great blinds, but um, there's this one crack, and it'll just, <laughs> and they're like, oh, there's sometimes you're like, I just don't want that. Sometimes we are a bit like that when we're in the darkness, where we're like, I don't, I don't want to any change, uh, and we can push against that, but it's so good. This is a good light. As Paul says in Ephesians, he quotes, this is in Ephesians 5, verse 14, he says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. There's a goodness in it, but there are times we push against Christ. But it's good. When I was looking at this and thinking about that light shining forth, I was also remembered, reminded of Psalm 139. There's a couple of verses I'm still wrestling with exactly what this means, but Verses 11 and 12 says of God, it says, Surely the darkness shall, over, shall cover me, and the light about me be night. And it says, Even the darkness, though, is, not, is da- not dark to you, God. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. So even in the darkness, the darkness even isn't dark to our God. He's so bright and so amazing that he can turn our darknesses into light, I think, is part of what's going on there. But the light of Christ shining forth, he shines forth and shines forth on those who are sitting in darkness. Those who are in the valley of the shadow of death, who have no hope, no life, no joy, no peace. The Messiah comes and shines into that time. And he comes with tender mercy in the light of our God. The light of the world is coming. And here, Zechariah, he just bursts forth in praise. Just to look back a little bit from our John study, let me just read. John chapter 1, verse 4. Be reminded, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The light shines, present tense, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then verse 9, the true light, which gives light to everyone, has come into the world. Jesus, the light of the world, breaks forth. We can find peace in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He came, pouring out the tender mercies of God and died and rose again. And finally, one last part of that last verse in 79, verse, uh, the part B of that. We see peace in the guidance of Jesus, peace in Jesus. It says, to guide our feet in the way of peace. He came to guide us to peace. Here we learn a lot of different things. That, well, apart from Jesus... Um, we're, we're in darkness. We're not in a place of peace. Uh, we're in a place where we need hope, and we can look all the wrong places for it, but we need the Word of God. We need Christ to break in. We can have everything that this world has to offer, everything that this world has to offer. We can have great fame and great money, and that doesn't bring peace. Uh, even today, I was at Safeway buying donuts for everybody, and just looking at all the the celebrity magazines, and um, they're full of drama. <laughs> um, fame doesn't uh, bring peace. Money doesn't bring peace. Um, married to a fabulously handsome or beautiful person doesn't bring peace. Um, it doesn't come through that. We need this guy, Jesus Christ, to bring us to peace. We need, and then we need guidance. We need wisdom. We need truth outside of ourselves. We need to be guided in truth. We need Jesus. And I know we live in a day and time that's elevated feelings to be the ultimate authority. Whatever you feel, that's your ultimate guide. 
No, that will not lead you to peace. That's going to lead you to great brokenness. We need the guide of Jesus Christ to guide us to peace. Um, For some reason, yeah, feelings, they trump now outside authority and tangible realities, but we need the peace of Jesus. We need Jesus to guide us. And that peace can be found in Jesus, too. It's saying here, the way of peace is Christ Jesus. He is our peace. It's a peace that we can't find that, uh, from a vacation to the beach. <laughs> Not a, a peace that we can find from that perfect Christmas gift. I know that some of us are waiting for it's only a few more days to open that per- perfect gift. A moment, maybe, a moment. Uh, peace isn't found in a, a new car in a driveway with a great bow on it. But if you would like to do that for me, that's fine. I'm, I'm not going to. But it won't give me peace. Uh, I think I mentioned one time, last time I, I got a new car, within a few months I got into a wreck. You know, like, ah. Peace, that peace that we long for um, is found in Jesus, even in the midst of difficulty. Peace with God and peace with others as well. Um, sometimes we, we re- might wrestle in our home. We're about in the time uh, we might be home a little bit more than normal with family that reminded uh, our peace is through Jesus. Uh, maybe be reminded of the forgiveness that you've received uh, and extend that forgiveness to that other person that drives you a little nutty. Peace. It's funny, as I work through this sermon I think it was Wednesday, about Wednesday, I was just wrestling with it, and I was actually really stressed out. I just wasn't coming together, and I was stressed out, and I was anxious about it, and just really kind of frazzled, and I was driving, doing some errands, and I turned the radio off, and I was just praying about it, and it struck me. I'm like, this is really strange. I'm rather anxious and stressed about a sermon about peace in Jesus. I was like, I was like, there's something wrong here. I've not applied this passage to myself, and I just kind of slowed down and took a deep breath, and I was just like, I need to rest in these elements of these truths about who Jesus is, and I just kind of slowed down and thought about these things, and I was like, Jesus is in charge. Uh, I can rest. I thought about about Philippians 4, 6 through 7, um, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. May we find the peace of Jesus in the call this morning. Maybe um, that, that you pushed against that morning sunlight of Jesus in your life. You're like, oh, there's, there's got to be another route. There isn't. This morning, I encourage you to turn and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe this morning you're like me midweek where I was just frazzled and anxious and just had to think upon these things and be reminded that the Prince of Peace is still the Prince of Peace today and rest in Him. Let's pray. Your Father God, you're good and you're kind. Lord, I even thank you for meeting me in the midst of this week and time of being frazzled and just frustrated and elements of anxiety and you speaking peace from your word. Oh Lord, help us to look upon Christ, uh, the Prince of Peace, and be reminded that he is that source of peace. It's not found in 
in other things or other people or other accomplishments or other whatever it might be. But Lord, may we allow our peace to come from you. Help us to breathe deep. Uh, breathe deep of your promises. Help uh, your promises to be for us our daily manna and the water that we drink as we walk through just the wilderness of this life. Lord, help us also to be agents of your peace uh, in the coming week. Lord, help us to um, extend the grace that we've received to others. Help us to, to put down our, our judgments because of this or that maybe decision that someone's made at the moment and just be able to speak the truth of the gospel that changes hearts and changes lives. Lord, help us in that. And I pray if there are any here um, who are pushing against the light of Jesus Christ, that you would enable them uh, to come to you, uh, turn from their self and their sin and trust in you and find the light of Jesus pouring in and the peace that comes through him, the forgiveness of sins, that we might serve you without fear, but in holiness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What's um, good that we are able to declare together the good news of Jesus, that our hope is in him, uh, that we've been forgiven in him, that Jesus is the son of God, the prince of peace, Emmanuel, God with us, who came, was born, laid in a manger, then lived a life without sin and died the death that we should have died on the cross and then he was buried, but then rose again on the third day, victorious over death and sin. And we declare those things, and we're reminded of the gospel, we're reminded that Emmanuel, God with us, uh, he, is, he is with us. Um, if we've trusted and rested in him. So we take of the, the Lord's Supper, we take of the cup, represents the spilt blood of Jesus Christ and, and the bread that represents that broken body of Jesus Christ. And we, we take that. Um, this morning, we declare that he, he is our Savior and our Lord, that we have a new life in him, that he is our Prince of Peace. And this morning, if you know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you've turned from your sins and trusted in him as your Lord and Savior, then you're welcome to take of the bread and the cup. And we have two stations here and one in the back. And that bread and the cup, they're stacked together so you can take them. And um, as Craig is, after I pray and as Craig is playing, you can come and take one of those cups and take that bread.